1: Good evening, folks. Great to be with you. Happy Pentecost Sunday. I don't know, if, how do you say that? Is it? Well, happy Pentecost Sunday. Great to be together. Great to have all these churches together in the presence of God, uh, celebrating, united around one throne, and uh, great to worship together. And uh, Dave, thanks for your kind words. I, as you've just read, uh, incredible text. We'll go, go back through some of those verses in a moment. But this is a, this is like a birthday celebration. This is This is the you know, you don't want to forget birthdays. Birthdays are really important moments. Uh, someone said, if you don't want to forget your wife's birthday, forget it once. <laughs> You'll never forget it again. If, if you always want to remember your wife's birthday, just forget it once, try it, and then you will never have a problem remembering it ever again in your life. But birthdays are really important, and this, and this is Pentecost. This is the birth of of the Church of Jesus Christ globally, this incredible movement, this great thing—the apple of God's eye, the passion of God's heart—this thing called the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, as, as Dave mentioned, this is this is City and a Hill's birthday as well. It's our one-year birthday. we i don't know if we're at our nappies yet. We're just kind of we just we've just come to be. So it's been a, and it's great to spend birthday with family, right? So uh, we're with family. Is there a cake later, Dave? Maybe there's a cake later. And 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 God's birthday gift to the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Kirsten very well read those verses. I just want to just go through the first four verses again, and as we read this again, I want you just, to, just to, to believe that this is not just God's description of an ancient event, but actually this is God's active word to us just now, and this is what God wants to do with us now. He hasn't changed. He's still able to do these things today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speaking tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, Lord, that's our prayer that this evening, as we gather in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit just under your breath, invite Him to fill you afresh. Maybe you've had that experience, maybe you've never had that experience, but invite Him again, just under your breath, say, Lord, I, I really, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I would like to be filled again with your Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, answer our prayers, and move among us. So what happened next is the crowds gathered from all these different surrounding regions, and the apostle Peter stood up and preached to the crowds that had gathered. Told them about Jesus, and he was incredibly bold. I mean, he went from being a guy who, seven weeks earlier, had denied he even knew Jesus, and now he's standing up in that same city, the same city where Jesus was crucified, and he's proclaiming that Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, he said to the Jewish crowds, God raised from the dead and He is Lord and Messiah, and He challenged the crowds, and the Holy Spirit, more importantly, was challenging the crowds, and the Bible says that 3,000 people got saved, 3,000 people turned to Jesus, and that that gospel message that Jesus died on the cross because we're sinners, and we needed someone to die in our place, and then He resurrected on the third day, that same message needs responded to, and maybe tonight, maybe tonight you're here, and you're not yet there with God, Maybe you're, you're interested, but you haven't yet crossed that line and put your trust in Jesus. Let me make it really personal. He died for you. That's how much you matter to God. And that's how serious our sin is. He died in your place so you could have a new, resurrected life serving a resurrected Savior. And so tonight, hey, God knows you, and why not tonight in His presence cross a line in your heart and say, yes. A big yes to him and invite him to be your savior. So Peter preached the gospel, and 3,000 people. That was pretty good church growth. They went from 120 Galileans to 3,120 in one day. It's the kind of growth that P's and G's experiences all the time. Just incredible, <laughs> incredible, incredible growth. And do you know, I, I remember back to when I was, uh, the night I became a Christian, I was hanging out with, I was 15 years old, I was hanging out with a group of my friends. And two of them had become Christians. The rest of us weren't. And one of them, Alexandra, she was sharing her story about how Jesus meant so much to her. And, uh, and, and after that, we, she, 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 after she told us all about Jesus and about her story of conversion, uh, she said, "Can I pray for you all?" And we all agreed. So we all stood there and we all held hands. And then she started praying. And in the middle of her praying, she started praying in tongues. And I was saying, "I've never heard it." I'm I'm, I'm in Glaswegian and sometimes that sounds like tongues, right? But this this was not Glaswegian. I was like, wow, that's that's incredible. And and she was speaking in tongues. And that night, see, I'd I'd grown up going to church. I'd been, and I had, I guess I, I was exposed to theoretical Christianity. But that night I was confronted with the reality of a changed life and the power of God I guess it was just like these people on the day of Pentecost, they were confronted not just with a theory, but with power. And so that night I went home, I took a little shortcut across the motorway along a little lane at the back of my house. And in that lane, I, I just stood there and I, I said, Jesus, I'm going to commit, I commit my entire life to you. I'm going to now follow you. And Nothing held back. And so imperfectly, I followed Jesus ever since then. But it was this impact, just like these guys had, of a real experience with a real powerful God. Uh, A professor in a theological seminary was training uh, potential pastors and leaders and preparing them for going out into the call of God that God had for their lives. And he wanted to do everything he could to equip them as best he could, so what he did was he wrote to the the fastest-growing churches in his country, and he asked them to please share what is it you found worked. What are, the, what are the keys that you've learned that are going to help these up-and-coming pastors to be ready for when it becomes their turn? And so they got lots of responses back, but by far, and lots of very helpful responses, but by far the most powerful response was actually one pastor who simply took a photocopy of Acts chapter 2 and put it in the post to him. And to be honest, that's not just trying to be clever. That's, that's right, because actually it's the church's birth in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the church didn't grow and spread rapidly because of clever marketing. It spread and grew rapidly because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's poured out on 120 Galileans, simpletons from the north, and God poured out His Spirit upon them, and a revival broke out, and 3,000 were saved in day one, but that that just continued to grow. It's estimated that the church in Jerusalem grew to about 32,000 people in a population which was probably under 100,000 people. Incredible. In the city where Jesus had been crucified. And then persecution broke out, and it scattered them around the surrounding areas. But instead of it killing the movement, it just spread like wildfire, and the gospel spread. So, within 280 years of the resurrection, Christianity had become the world's dominant religion, with an estimated 7 million believers in the Roman Empire, which at the time had 50 million people. And so, it just spread and spread and spread. And then, in 430 AD, Patrick goes to Ireland. This, this guy who had, who had been kidnapped as a kid, as a slave, and taken to Ireland, then through a dream, he escaped slavery. God called him back to the place where he'd been taken as a slave. And he went back to Ireland with a passion for God. And it was risky, but knowing what it risked, he went and shared the gospel. And incredibly, through his 30 year of missionary work, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he baptized tens of thousands of people. He established over 700 churches and schools, trained 3,000 church leaders, and managed to change the laws to abolish slavery in Ireland. Isn't that awesome? And we celebrate that by putting green hats on and drinking Guinness once a year. But this is, the—what what's that got to do with this? I mean, that's incredible. And then in the 1700s, a, a man by the name of Count Zinzendorf There he was, and and he he was a wealthy young man. He'd finished his studies, and he wanted to see some of the the culture of Europe. And as as he was in his travels, he came to Dusseldorf Museum, and there in Dusseldorf Museum, there was a painting of Jesus, and it was Jesus as he was on that trial with Pilate just before his crucifixion. And underneath the painting, it said, this is what I have done for you. What have you done for me? And Zinzendorf, as a young man, he stood there and was so impacted and he said, God, for many years, I've known about you, but I don't think I've ever done anything for you. And, and this is his prayer, it's a risky prayer. From now on, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I dare you to pray that prayer. From now on, I will do whatever you ask me to do. And that was that, was that moment in Dusseldorf And he went back to his estate in Saxony where he worked for the government. And one day a friend came to him and told him about some Morovians. In those days, it was like the Ukrainians fleeing from war. The Morovians, there were several persecuted groups of Morovians, and they they came and they asked, three families asked, is it possible we come and stay on your estate? And he remembered the prayer, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. And so he said, yes. Well, the three families soon became hundreds. (laughs) 300 of them lived in his back garden camping out, and before he knew it, Count Zinzendorf became their pastor. And they were all falling out with each other, as Christians do, but then Zinzendorf became their pastor, and in a communion service where reconciliation was taking place, the Holy Spirit fell in the communion service. And two passions were birthed: a passion for prayer and a passion for missions. And they burst the prayer movement. So for the next 150 years, they sustained 24-7 prayer. Incredible. Round the clock prayer for 150 years. And then over that, the next few years that followed, they sent out missionaries to the tune of about 3,000 missionaries over the years that followed. All over the world. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came. It's not clever marketing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working with people who are willing to partner with Him. It's world-changing. And we see the Holy Spirit being poured out in 1904 in Wales, and in two years, 100,000 people come to faith during the Welsh Revival. Then in 1906, a one eyed black man by the name of William Seymour. His parents were African slaves. And in Los Angeles, he's leading a prayer meeting. He'd been rejected by his church. He's leading a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit's poured out. It's in a little street called North Bonnie Braves. Sounds like somewhere from Scotland. And the Holy Spirit's poured out in this little house in North Bonnie Braves. And people start being filled with the Holy Spirit. And crowds start gathering, just like 2,000 years ago on that first day of Pentecost. And people start coming to faith so much so that they can no longer contain it in that little house. So, they move it to an old stable building on Azuzu Street. Great things are birthed in stables, right? And this movement is what we know as the Pentecostal charismatic movement, which has touched all of our lives. And in a hundred years since then, we've seen this great movement touch and impact so much to the point where today on planet earth, every day, 100,000 people are giving their lives to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And every week on planet earth, 4,500 new churches are established. God is building his church, and it's not through clever marketing. You just photocopy Acts chapter two and say, there you go. And you can do it in cool buildings. You can do it in, in, in mud huts. You can do it in the open air. It doesn't matter. Do it according to the power of God, not your own strength. So Jesus has got a passion to keep doing this. The verses go on, and it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Say it with me. They were all together. Now, the word together, this is where you, you figure out that I'm not a Greek scholar. Right? I'm just gonna try some pronunciations here. The word together, I can say that one is homo, and it means same. Same. They were all same. One translation says they were all of one accord. And what you see is there's a, a couplet, homo, thumadion. I'll just look confident, and you'll think, okay, that's exactly how you say it. And it's two words put together. It's homos, which means same or together, and thumos, which means passion, same passion. And five times in the first five chapters of the book of Acts, that couplet appears, same passion, same passion, one accord. They were together in one accord. And here we are, a a gathering of churches with the same passion, same passion, really passionate about this thing called the gospel, the good news that Edinburgh so desperately needs to hear. There's a God in heaven who loves you, and He's done something so remarkable to save you. We're passionate about that, right? We, We give everything for that message. We have the same passion. We believe in the importance of the local church. We really believe in it. We don't believe its best days are past. We believe its best days are ahead because Jesus is building His church. We have these core passions, and so did these people. They were united And unity, as as Dave mentioned, it's one of the things that precedes God pouring out His blessing. And Dave mentioned a year ago, we went through the most toughest of times. We went from being a church with buildings that we'd given to buy to all of a sudden having nothing. Overnight, we became a homeless church. But here's what happens. Central. You guys said, there's our venue for free, and your staff team are unemployed, so we'll give you a bank account under our umbrella, and we'll do P-A-Y-E for your staff, and we'll P-V-G your kids' workers. And then Dave Richards turns up and home visits me, as this Dan Hudson, like pastors to their flock, and churches start giving. So, we're three, three months, we're all unemployed, but not one of my staff team missed a mortgage payment or a rental payment, because the churches in the city contributed and blessed us through the hardest time of our lives. See, unity goes beyond praying nice prayers for each other to all of a sudden being, we're going to love you. It's talking about mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So, I I suggest we create a new culture in our city (laughs) where we when a church is going through the hardest of times, we mourn with them. And when a church sees great successes, let's be the ones who cheer them on. This church over there, you hear about them? They saw this, rather than feeling like it's some sort of competitive nonsense. And actually, let's have a culture where we speak well of each other, and we pray for each other, and we go out of our way to bless each other. Anyone say, want to say amen to that? Amen. And, uh, because I reckon that that kind of culture is conducive to God doing great things in a city. Amen? Amen. All together. And then the verse goes on and says, and they were, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, remember John the Baptist speaking about Jesus who was coming. he will baptize you, in Luke's gospel it says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. Why fire? Well, fire, it says in the Old Testament that our gods are consuming fire. And so, when we think about fire, it's, it's like the fire of the Holy Spirit wants to burn up the nonsense in our lives, deal with the idols, deal with the dross, purify us, absolutely, because He's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, He's going to make you more like Jesus. So, that's one aspect. It's it's purifying. But also, fire is representative of the presence of God. You remember in the Old Testament, there was the burning bush representing the presence of God in the bush. There was the fire of God on Mount Sinai. Uh, We we see the, the pillar of fire guiding them by night. So, fire was representative of the presence of God. And in fact, in the Old Testament in the temple, there was a permanent fire burning on those lampstands. It was a constant memorial representing the continual presence of God. It couldn't, the fire couldn't go out. It was a continual burning representing the illuminating presence of God in the temple. And here we are today, and the fire of God comes and fills us, us, which we remember at Pentecost. All of a sudden, the flame's not in a building, it's in a people. We are the house of God. See, in the Old Testament, God had a temple for His people. In the New Testament, God has a people for His temple. That fire is ignited in us. You see, the church isn't a community of believers who live like Jesus. The church is a community of believers in whom Jesus lives. He works through us. He moves in power with this fire through His people and into the communities. After World War II, in Strasbourg, there was a, there was a church building that had experienced lots of bombing, and they, they were trying to rebuild and fix buildings and try and make things back to how it was before the war. And a stonemason was working his way around various old properties, and he came to the church building, and there in the, the gardens of the church, there was a statue of Jesus with his hands open wide, and it said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. But because of the bombing, the hands had been, had been broken off uh, because of the impact of a bomb. So the stonemason said, would you like me, he asked the pastor, would you like me to repair Jesus's hands? And the pastor thought and said, actually, no, I would like you to change the inscription. So, if you could change it to say, I have no hands but yours. And it's true, Jesus, his, we are His hands and His feet. That's what Pentecost is all about. You remember how the book of Acts begins? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the former book I wrote, O Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do, and teach. Luke wrote Luke's gospel, and in that we see the work of Jesus Christ for us. But what we see in the book of Acts is the work of Jesus Christ through us. You see, at the Luke's gospel, all the gospels describe how Jesus' work for on our behalf was finished, and on the cross He said, it is finished. But in the book of Acts, we see that the work of Jesus Christ through us is just beginning. And so the book of Acts is, is actually probably, probably, it says the acts of the apostles, but probably it's better described as the acts of the Holy Spirit through ordinary people like us. I'm not suggesting we change the name of a book of the Bible, but I do think it's more helpful. But God wants to work through us. And then it goes on and says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I remember reading these verses. I'd just, that, I'd just become a Christian, age 15, and I remember one night I'd been reading these verses, these exact same verses, and been doing little studies on other verses in John's gospel, looking at the Holy Spirit, and I was lying in my bath that night, and it just dawned on me, why wouldn't God do this for us now? And so, I ran across to my friend Brian's house. Sorry, I got dried off, put my clothes on, <laughs> And then went across to Brian's house. And, and Brian, like me, was a new believer, and I showed him some of these verses. I said, Brian, look at this. Do you not think God would do this for us? And again, we were, we were in churches that never really talked about the Holy Spirit or miracles or, or probably didn't have any expectation of that. But we just, with simple faith, we, we looked at these verses, and then Brian said, well, let's pray. So, I got on my knees in Brian's bedroom, and he laid hands on me, and he asked that God would fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I just remember that moment. And I remember all of a sudden, I realized God's there. And we know he's everywhere, but it's like, oh, he's really here. Maybe you had that tonight in worship. We thought, oh, wow, God's come close. And something happened, and the next thing I knew, I was speaking a language that I'd never learned. And to this day, I, I use that in my private prayer life. But I began to speak. But I didn't just begin to speak in tongues. Here's the thing. I began to speak a lot about Jesus. people. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak. And so, speaking in tongues, absolutely fantastic, and that's available. Uh, But also, we see in Acts 19, they they prophesied. But we see in Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, who went from being a cowering man who denied he knew Jesus, to standing up and start speaking to the crowds about Jesus. It's like, wow, this fire Became like a fire in their hearts, and they want to start talking about Jesus. And we see this all the way through the book of Acts, where they started to speak, they started to speak. And Acts chapter 4, I believe it is, where they prayed for the Holy Spirit to give them boldness. And it says, The house where they were sitting was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to proclaim about Jesus boldly. So the Holy Spirit wants to enable you to speak, absolutely in prayer, absolutely in prophecy, absolutely in those spiritual ways, but also. I've got a real passion to tell someone about Jesus. And how many people know we're living in a city where people really need us to be that kind of church, that kind of people, but we don't keep our Christianity to ourselves. We tell someone about Jesus. I, I, uh, this morning, I challenged our church. I said, how many of you, uh, when's the last time you led someone to Jesus? But then I said, no, no, I'll take that challenge off the table. That's too high a bar. Let me just ask, let me put it this way when's the last time you tried? <laughs> Not forget the last time you did it. But actually, when's the last time you at least gave it a shot? And come on, we've got the best message ever. Let's let that power and the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts cause us to be an outward people. And so I began to speak, and Jeremiah describes in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, his words burn in my heart like a fire. So God wants to tonight, God's here, and He wants to fill people with His Holy Spirit. Are you ready? God wants to fill you or refill you. We, tonight, we're not gathering just to, oh, I learned some nice, interesting things about God. We want to have an experience with God. We want to know God. We want to be filled with the Spirit. Let, let me illustrate this to you. Um, We're going to have a baptism service here. So, the Bible talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, submerged, filled with the Holy Spirit. And here we have a, a dry sponge, and uh, this represents us. It's dry. In one place in the Gospels, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. That means, are you bothered? <laughs> Some people are like, well, if God wants to give me the Holy Spirit, He knows where I am. It's like, yeah. Well, God's like, yeah. come on, seriously, you, do you realize the price that was paid to make this available to you? Hey, God's not on the fence. He's made this gift available at huge expense. So, don't be on the fence. Be like a dry sponge saying, okay, Lord, you've given me this gift of salvation, but you also want to give me more of this gift of the Holy Spirit. So, I'm like a dry sponge. I'm thirsty. and And, and, and it says, and in the, in the New Testament, it describes being baptized with the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. Just different. So, it's, it's like this. You, you're receiving the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, what's happened to the sponge? It's been filled. And what's it doing now? What, 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 what What's happening with the sponge? Can you see this? So, so, all of a sudden, we see that the sponge isn't just being filled. It's overflowing. Did you you guys get the point? Did did you guys get the point? No, you guys didn't get the point. No, you got the point. Okay. It's, It's all of a sudden you've been filled, but then you're overflowing. You're like a dry sponge, and that means you come. And so to receive the Holy Spirit, very simply, four things. Believe the promise. The promise of Scripture is in Joel. God says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. In fact, in the verses we've read, it says, they were all filled with the holy spirit who's all well if you go to acts chapter 1 there's a list of them i mean there's the heroes peter john james mary she was there but all the heroes were there the who's who of the bible were in the room but then there's also that's that only accounts for maybe 20 of them who's the other hundreds well the people who never had wrote a book of the bible and yet they were filled with the same holy spirit as the great apostles. So there's no gradation here. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So believe the promise. Believe that God wants to do this for you. Ask. Believe. Then you ask. Ask the Father. God always works with your free will. You, God won't force anything upon you. Be like a dry sponge saying, Father, I would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in Luke's gospel, If any of you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then you receive prayer. So what we'll do in a minute is we'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, but then we'll give an opportunity if you'd like to be prayed for. I mean, I was prayed for when I was 15. My friend prayed for me. And to be honest, I get prayed for for this often. It's not like a one-moment it's an ongoing moment for me. I I constantly want to be filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you receive prayer, and then you receive. And I don't know how else to put it. It's just, you've got to receive. (laughs) I mean, if, if physically I gave you a present, you would reach out your hands and take it physically. But we can't do that with this gift. It's intangible. So, our hands is our faith. We reach out in faith, and we just receive, and you will receive what God has got for you. So, let's stand in God's presence, and let's open our hands before Him. just quietly in God's presence, just in a minute, we're gonna pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill people. Before I do that, I wanna give you an opportunity this evening. If you're here and you don't yet have a relationship with God, you could say you're not yet saved. And this is a great decision to make. So if you're in that place where you're saying, do you know what? I don't wanna live another day without having God in my life. That's what I was like when I was 15. If that's you tonight, and this is your moment, then just very simply pray this prayer under your breath, just with me just now. Say, Dear Lord God, thank you for your love for me. Jesus, thank you. You died in my place on the cross and rose again in the third day. I really need you in my life. And tonight, I turn my life over to you. I choose to follow you, Jesus. I believe you're alive, risen from the dead. And from now on, I declare you to be my Lord. Thanks for hearing my prayer. Now, if you prayed that prayer, that is just such a significant thing you've done. And please, would you tell someone you prayed that prayer? Would you tell either a church leader or at the end, come forward and tell someone, why? Well, because we want to pray for you. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to help you grow in that faith. But now all of us are going to pray. Open your hands before God. And we just want to say, Lord, in your presence, we, we very simply ask, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Just You can pray that simple prayer and ask God yourself. you got to, God respects our free will, so ask and you shall receive. So just ask, come Holy Spirit. come like you did in pentecost god we declare without you we can do nothing lord we believe you can through us impact our city and region but it's only by the power of your holy spirit we believe god that with you all things are possible but it's only by the power of your holy spirit so we welcome your holy spirit in our lives we come like dry sponges and we ask that you'd fill us with your presence and power right now. So the band are going to lead us in worship, and as we worship, I want you just to—you're welcome to sing the song, but absolutely, but absolutely, but you'll keep praying, keeping this attitudes of being receivers of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and God will continue to fill us as we worship and as we wait in His presence.